This is Seattle's Morning News. Dave Ross with Heather Bosch. You may recall last week that our weekly guest, former State Attorney General Rob McKenna, said that based on his reading of the law, there was no way a special master would be appointed to review the documents seized at Mar-a-Lago. Rob is now going to explain how he got it so wrong. Our conversation sponsored by Madrona Financial Services. So what happened here? Well, not only did the judge appoint a special master to review the materials taken from Mar-a-Lago, all of them, all apparently 11,000 documents, but she said that she wants the special master who still has to be named to review them not only for attorney-client privilege, which was the reason that uh, most people thought the order might be granted if it was granted at all, but she also wants them reviewed for executive privilege. Longtime listeners will remember Richard Nixon trying to assert executive privilege to keep the White House tapes from being used by DOJ. But the other thing that she did that completely astonished everyone, uh, including Trump's attorney, you know, former attorney general, Bill Barr, is that she has temporarily banned the Department of Justice from using the materials that were taken from Mar-a-Lago for, quote, any investigative purpose uh, connected to its criminal inquiry. That was astonishing. You know, this issue of trying to use executive privilege to block a criminal investigation is exactly what Nixon tried. And, you know, the Supreme Court turned him down. But uh, it probably will go up on appeal to the 11th Circuit. That's the current betting. And there at the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, you've got 11 active judges, six of whom are Trump appointees. So this is going to get more interesting before uh, before it's done. Now, is it fair to bring up that the judge who issued this ruling is a Trump-appointed judge? Absolutely. And that's why Trump's lawyers went to her court. Is it rational for me to worry that this is another way democracies can fall apart if one person appoints basically these sleeper cells throughout the judicial system so that the law itself doesn't matter? All that matters is the judge's interpretation of it. Well, you know, she she applied the law uh, to the facts as she found them. She found that former President Trump would suffer irreparable harm. She said there were some personal documents mixed in with the government documents, which does beg the question of why he had personal documents mixed in with classified government documents. Like, why did some of his medical records show up in the same boxes as, you know, official documents? She said that he might suffer reputational harm from an improperly conducted search or this is interesting. Or she said from a, quote, future indictment based in part on documents that ought to be returned. So she has a legal basis for her ruling, but you know, we also have checks and balances in the system. And here, I think a likelihood that the Department of Justice will file an appeal in the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals is pretty high. Let me ask you this, since uh, he seems to be able to pull a rabbit out of a hat whenever he needs it, are there more rabbits to be pulled such that this could be put off past the presidential election? That seems to me to be unlikely. These issues aren't that complicated that they're going to need until 2025 to decide whether to bring an indictment or not. But but here's the thing. If he declares his candidacy for president this fall, you know, in late November or December, does the fact that he's become a candidate affect the Department of Justice's decision on whether or not to lodge an indictment against him or convene a grand jury? That is a very interesting and difficult question. Well, yes. And suppose, I mean, it's possible that this goes on for two years and uh, he gets elected president. 
And then what do you do? Then uh, he has the the unofficial uh, get out of jail free card. Yeah, that's that that's right. Especially if he's in office, it's it's a, it's a novel question of what happens if he's running for office. A lot of people think that you know they have this I, walking around knowledge. They think they they know that you know you can't become president. You can't run for president if you're under indictment or you've been convicted. But others uh, who've looked at the Constitution say, well, the Constitution spells out the requirements of eligibility to be president, to run for president. You, know, you have to be at least 35 years old. You have to be a natural U.S. citizen. You can't be naturalized yep. and so forth. And they're saying, well, the Constitution doesn't say uh, criminal conviction bars you from office. So maybe it doesn't. Guess where that decision is going to end up being decided. <laughs> yeah, you, you control enough judges. You control the law. Yeah, it's uh, it it like you and I've said many times before, it's astonishing how many problems Trump creates for himself Mm -hmm. here through just reckless, at a minimum, very careless records handling. And then if it turns out that they deliberately obstructed by, you know, not turning over documents they knew they had when they were asked for them. And by the way, just to remind listeners. The president doesn't own these documents. What the Presidential Records Act says is he is entitled to access to them when he leaves office. That's not the same thing as being entitled to possess or own them. He doesn't. They're government property. All of this is to say he's probably going to announce sooner than later he's running for president again if you know because he wants to run for president again. But it may occur to him that it might uh, complicate efforts to investigate him and charge him. Former State Attorney General Rob McKenna. Rob, thank you. Thanks, Dave.